So the actor, Ross Kemp, uh, he did a series, maybe still doing a series, I'm not sure if it's still running, it probably, it probably is, I don't know. It's called Ross uh, Kemp Extreme World. Uh, so he goes around and visits various uh, gangs and prisons and all sorts of uh, extreme scenarios where, where people find themselves and interviews people and finds out like, what's, what's the motivation, what's, what's behind it, you know? So remember on one particular episode, the only episode I saw, uh, watched ever, but uh, he, was, he went down to Colombia and he was talking to a gang there and he spoke to this one guy in the gang because like, this gang is particularly violent, famous for their violence and for the, you know, the, the threats and the acts of murder and beatings uh, towards other gangs in, in the city, in Bogota. So he spoke to him and he said, uh, so how long are you part of this gang? And the guy said, well, since I'm 16. And he said, what, what did you have to do to become a member? And he said, um, you can't become a member of this particular gang unless you've killed someone. Right, and uh, how, how was that for you? Keep in mind, he's joined, he joined when he was 16, right? So he said, well, the first time it's, it's hard, but you get used to it. And so he came down with the interview and he said, so what other kind of things have you had to do? And he said, well, I've obviously had to torture people to get information out, out of them or, or like to not actually kill them, but make sure that they'd never encroach in our territory again. So he said, you know, using soldering irons and I won't go into the details, but into people's faces and so on and so forth. Really, really horrendous stuff. And, uh, and Ross asked him, so, why did you do it? Why, like? And the guy responded, I have a family. In this gang, I have a family. In this gang, I belong. I belong. I'm not alone. And it was just, it was, I just when I heard that, I was, just, I was just really blown away by the fact that this guy who has done horrendous things to other people and the consequences then of, of those actions on, other, on the, the victims' families and so on. All of that because he wants to belong. He wants to be part of something. He wants a family. And I think it's something that we, we see maybe in ourselves uh, or in others, uh, a paralyzing fear of being alone. A lot of, a lot of, we see this in a lot of people. It motivates people to do an awful lot of things, you know, to not be alone. Like, people are scared to death to be alone. Even all of the... If you see a bunch of, especially teenage girls, if you've ever noticed this, see a bunch of teenage girls, guarantee you they're all wearing exactly the same clothes, right? These days now, outside, like on weekends or whatever, you'll see a, a bunch of girls, and they'll all have black leggings, all of them, and all have a, a, a grey hood with some breed of a top, maybe slightly different logos, obviously, because you don't want to be... You won't be caught dead wearing the same clothes as someone else because you have to wear the same clothes as someone else. It's not an easy one. Uh, or lads like, oh, all wearing, all wearing tracksuits, like, you know, and they're white. And it's just, it's just, you have to belong. You have to fit in. You have to be part of, you have to do what the group does. Like the bands that the, that the group likes. Follow the sports teams, uh, that, uh, the premiership teams that, 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 that the group likes. You have to belong. You have to be part of something because being on your own is absolutely terrifying. And that's the way we're actually created. We're not created to be alone. We're created to be in community. We're created to be part of families. We're created to be part of groups, sports teams. We're created to be part of a church. We're created to be part of what, what, what the Lord himself would call this mystical body. So something even more kind of united than just people who have a common interest. 
but we're united as a family in the church. We're united as one. The Lord wants that. The Lord wants that for us also in, in, in Holy Family. Like he wants us to actually be united. Which doesn't mean, by the way, that we have to spend all of our time with each other. Because that would be weird. Right? But we can still be very, very united. Profoundly united. Maybe even more united than you are with friends. Because of our uni- unity in the Lord. Because of our unity in Jesus. This leads to a different level of unity altogether. Because then it's not about how much time we necessarily spend with each other. Because we're going to go to different corners of the country. Some will go back to Donegal, the nicest corner of the country, and uh, others won't. Uh, but, but we'll, uh, and yet we can still be united. We can still be profoundly united, despite the geographical distance. There's a wonderful story of the martyrs of, of Sebast. So Sebast is in, was in Cappadocia there in the, the fourth century in the year. 320, when the emperor of the time, Licinius, uh, ordered that the Christians there in the east, he gave permission for the Christians in the east to be persecuted. So anyone who was a, declared themselves a follower of Christ could be executed without trial, really. There was no need for a trial. But he slows things up, paperwork and all that kind of thing. Uh, if they were found to be Christian, they could, they could be killed immediately. So a number of soldiers in this one particular, uh, what's, bigger than, what's bigger than a platoon? Grouping of soldiers. Uh, you'd know in the back. What is it? Battalion. Battalion. We'll go, yeah, that sounds good. Battalion. Good. We'll go with that. So, <laughs> 40 soldiers uh, in this battalion, they were, they were Christians. And their commander knew that they were Christians. So he asked them all to make a sacrifice to this one particular idol, right? And these 40 soldiers refused. They said, absolutely not. We will not sacrifice to any idols. So this was brought then to the governor of the locality. He said, okay, very simple, very simple. Um, bring them to me. So he tried to bribe them. So if you renounce your faith, we'll give you X, Y, Z, money, land, territory, titles. Uh, they refused. All 40 refused. Then they were threatened with torture. If you don't renounce your faith, we'll burn you, we'll beat you, we'll half drown you, whatever it was, all sorts of tortures, which were then inflicted upon them. None of them renounced their faith. All 40 of them remained steadfast. So finally then they were sentenced to death by exposure. So this was in the winter of 320. So they were all made stand in the centre of a frozen lake, naked. So rather than waiting for the soldiers to, to strip them, they stripped themselves and they all walked out. They weren't forced, they weren't pushed. They walked out to their fate and stand, stood in the centre of the lake together. The frozen lake. And they prayed this prayer. Lord, we are 40 engaged in this contest. Grant that 40 may receive crowns that may not fall short of that sacred number. That's the crown of martyrdom. So they knew what they were doing, and they knew more than likely where this was going to lead. The governor placed a fire and a warm bath on the shore of the lake. So the group of 40 are out there, and if at any point, if they want to come in, there's a nice, warm bath. Kieran is smiling, because he knows what he would have done. <laughs> nice, warm bath and a fire. 
So all you have to do, all you have to do is take the 50 steps from where you are to the bath and all shall be well. It's all you have to do. All this pain will be over. All you have to do is just take a few steps. So the 40 remained steadfast for one night, for two nights. Then one of them couldn't take it anymore. And so he struggled towards the bath, got in and actually died of hypothermia. The, the change of temperature was too great for him and it actually, it actually killed him. But then one of the soldiers looking on to make sure that the 40 wouldn't escape, inspired by the, 30, the, the courage of the 39, drops his weapons, strips himself, and goes out and joins them, maintains their number of 40. Then after three days and nights, uh, the governor was getting tired of, of the fact that they weren't renouncing their faith, so their bones were broken, their limbs were broken, and they were burned. And then their ashes cast into the river, and uh, some local Christians gathered some of the relics, some of the bones that were left, and they became venerated then throughout Europe. But what just really strikes me about that example <coughs> is this, this unity. This, they, they, they kept mentioning the number 40. You know, we are the 40. We're together. We're a band of brothers. None of us is on our own, even though all of us has to choose individually to do this. We're not on our own. We choose individually, but we're part of a family. We're part of a group. We're part of something that makes a difference. We're part of something that can actually change the world, even though in this particular moment it may look like failure. It may look like the enemy has won. Our death, how on earth does that change anything? But they believed in the power, the witness, that their life and their death could bring to other Christians in the future. We are part of a family, multiple families. We're part of the family of Holy Family too. You all will be in for the rest of your days, if you wish. Uh, your picture is going to be up on the wall. With more coming, by the way, so that we have, I have a whole album to look through and print up some more photos for the wall. And you'll be there. And you'll be part of this family. And every year when we have reunions, you'll be invited. And we would love to see you all. Because for us, you are part of our family. And we can lean on each other and strengthen each other and pray for each other. And that works both directions. You can pray for me too. I really have no problem with that at all. Really, could really do with them, actually. We lean on each other. We strengthen each other. And that way, like the, the words that we read in the letter to the Hebrews, can very much be fulfilled. I'm thinking of this as all of your good selves who, who ran in the half marathon. Uh, I'm not sure if you, you knew this, we ran the, I shouldn't say we, we holy family, not me personally, ran a, a half marathon. Uh, there's a, two weekends ago, two weekends ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, seven of them uh, ran and they ran together. So it wasn't about getting the best time. It wasn't about beating a personal best. It was about running together. So they crossed the line together with their matching jerseys and their red rear sides of their legs. Uh, they crossed it together as a family to apparently rapturous applause from those waiting at the finish line. People were applauding. So well done. But they did so as they ran as a family. They ran united and they came across the line united. And so 
the author to the letter to the Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. We're running a race. We are part of something momentous, part of something hugely important. But we are not on our own. Anyone who's been through Holy Family, you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, other family members here. And we're also led in this charge, in this battle, by the Lord himself. And so, Lord, we follow you. We follow your guide. We follow your leadership. We follow your inspirations in our heart that we might one day, as a family, be reunited in your glory in eternity. Amen.